Well, we are back dealing with the Sermon on the Mount, chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 of uh, the book of Matthew. Last week, we started to look at chapter 7. We talked about chapter 7 focusing on uh, really how to have a uh, healthy life, a heart-healthy life. And last week, we, we looked at the issue of how Jesus, first of all, talked about how our hearts need to uh, be filled with affection rather than accusations. And so in the first six verses of chapter 7, Jesus is teaching about how we should not have hearts that are filled with accusations. We shouldn't be judgmental. So in a command, he says, judge not. And uh, he talks about people who judge and how so often people who are judging everyone, they're looking for the speck in someone else's eye and they're neglecting the beam that is in their eye. I think Jesus is teaching not only in that account, but through the uh, whole Sermon on the Mount, that you and I need to, to live a righteous life before we begin to preach and proclaim a righteous life to other people. Maybe Jesus would say it this way uh, today, that you and I need to live the gospel before we proclaim the gospel. I think that's what Jesus is focused on. Because the Pharisees, you see, they, they were uh, uh, all about legalism, rules and regulations, and they weren't all wrong, but their hearts were far away from God. And so what God was teaching them was this, that righteousness needs to be in their hearts. It needs to be part of their life. It has to be part of their practice. And before they start to proclaim that righteousness, they need to live it. And you and I so often, are easy, it's easy for us to go and tell people sometimes about Jesus. But are we living Jesus? And do they see Jesus living in and through us? I, I think maybe it has to do with what John talks about when he, in chapter 1 of the Gospel of John, is talking about Jesus, and he says this, that Jesus was full of grace and truth. You see, we need to be full of grace. Instead of being people who are accusing all the time, we need to be filled with affection. That's what Jesus is dealing with when he talks about uh, praying in John chapter 7, and when he talks about the golden rule. We need to be filled with grace, and we need to be filled with truth. This, early this morning, David Anderson and I were communicating about an event that we're, we're uh, participating in together, and uh, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a difficult issue that uh, you know, we're, we're part of this conference about. And uh, he said, well, I, I sure hope that we're able to present grace and truth. And I wrote back to him and I said, I'm not sure if you can have grace without truth, and I'm not sure if you can have truth without grace. They go together. And so that's what Jesus is talking about in the first 12 verses. Now today, as we, we think about this heart-healthy living, not only are we to have hearts that are filled with affection and grace and mercy, and love, instead of filled with bitterness and anger and resentment, we're to have hearts that are filled with awareness. And I think that's what he deals with in verse 13 to verse 27. 
He talks about how you and I need to wake up, that we need to be alert. We need to be discerning, if you will. We need to make right choices uh, in life. And so in this account, he, he talks about how we need to watch out for dangers ahead. And so part of life is that we face danger. But are we aware? Are we alert? Do we have the he our heads in the sand or are we wide awake and watching what happens so that we can exercise awareness and discernment where we can make correct decisions? And so in this account then, what he talks about is dangerous paths when he, when he deals in verse 13 and 14 with two gates and two paths, two roads. You've ever been on a dangerous road or a, or a dangerous path? I was thinking about that today. I mean, that can happen to all of us as it relates to life as a journey. But I mean, actually, were you ever on a highway? Were you ever on a, on a road where, you know, it was really dangerous and you're thinking now, I should have been more discerning and I shouldn't have taken this route. I, I, it only happened to, to me one time and, and I was in Africa. And uh, uh, David Anderson and myself and three others were uh, going to uh, this uh, uh, safari reserve and, and uh, we drove in, we were in a, uh, uh, some kind of a Jeep and I don't understand it, but they, they didn't give us a guide or anything. They said, ah, you look like you know what you're doing big mistake. Uh, you can just drive around and see everything. We, you're not going to get lost, and if you do, we'll come find you. So we thought, oh, that's pretty cool. So we started driving around, and uh, uh, the person who was driving, and it wasn't me, and it wasn't David Anderson, driving, they, they saw this road that went up this mountain. And, uh, you know, we were all in this, and I remember the driver saying, hey, I wonder what's up there. And we're all there, yeah, let's go find out, you know. So we drive up there, and the road's getting narrower and narrower, and, and you see that, uh, you know, rain and water has washed part of the road out. We finally get to this point where you can't really go any farther without one set of wheels kind of off the road completely. I'm sitting in the back on the right side, and I'm looking over this, this cliff, and I'm thinking, this was dumb. Now, all of us were in it together, and finally the driver says, I don't think we should have taken this road. The rest of us said, oh, really? And so they said this, we should turn around and go back. There's no place to turn around unless you can back off and be just in the air. So the guy says, I think I can back down the mountain. Well, we backed down that mountain. I, I don't know how we did it. I can tell you this, that, and I wish I could tell you this was out of faith. It was more out of fear. I closed my eyes and prayed till they told me we were down to the bottom. But here he's talking about life as a journey and how, what road we take. He also talks in this account about ingenuineness and insincerity. And, and so in, in this account, he's talking about how, you know, we have uh, different uh, prophets and teachers, and sometimes we listen to teachers that we shouldn't be listening to. And so he's warning us about that. And then he, he talks about the dangers of, of superficial professions and that there are people 
who, who claim to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. In fact, they're quite successful, at least in religious things. And Jesus says, no, they're not sincere. They're not really following me. They're not doing what I want them to do. And when they see me someday in judgment, I'm going to say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. And so he tells us that we need to take the road of sincerity and, and, and the right road, even in regards to our profession of faith. And then last, he, he talks about unstable foundations. In an account that we're really familiar with, when Jesus talks about, you know, the wise man who builds his house upon the rock and the foolish man who builds his house upon the sand. And he talks in, in twos with this. He, he deals with how, you know, there's two foundations, two, two, uh, a wise man and a foolish man, and two destinies. One uh, is going to make it, and the other isn't. And so he's, he's giving us these warnings, these appeals, if you were. And he wants us to be, to be alert. Jesus tells us that we need to be alert in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 13, verse 33 to 37. He tells us that we need to wake up, that we need to be alert. Uh, Peter, in 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 8 and verse 9, tells us that we need to be alert. They're telling us that we need to be aware of danger. We need to be aware of what's happening around us, and we need to exercise discernment. And so when we, we talk about uh, discernment, then discernment is the ability to judge well. It's the ability uh, to uh, decide between truth and, and error, to decide between what is right and what is wrong. And I think a lot of you would have to admit that in our country today and in our culture, discernment uh, is missing. We don't see it. And so we need to realize that God wants us to, to have hearts and lives that are filled uh, with uh, awareness and, and decisions, decision of, of what is right and what is wrong. And Paul deals with that even in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21 and 22 when he tells us we're to examine everything. Everything in life we're to examine so that we can make decisions. And life is filled with decisions. We need to make the decision of what is of God and what isn't. We need to make the decision that we're going to follow God and we're not going to follow man. And so Jesus is, is dealing with, with all of, of these issues uh, as he gives us these, these different teachings in pairs of two. So I want you to, to think with me, first of all, how he starts in verse 13 and 14. He talks about two paths, two gates, uh, two ways, two roads, two destinations. And here's what he has to say, verse 13 of chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate... For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. And so he talks about two paths, two gates. And this is really dealing with choices that we have. We have two gates, if you will, in front of us. We have two paths, if you will, in front of us. And he's saying that we need to make the right choice. So he talks, first of all, about this, this wide gate, this broad way. And uh, this is really what the religious leaders of the day of Jesus was, was focused on. They, they were really leaders who were on the highway 
of pride and selfishness and self-concern and self-determination and self-gratification and self-rule and self-sufficiency. And where did it lead, Jesus is saying? It's, it's leading to destruction. But there's a narrow gate and a narrow way, if you will, a straight way. And it's as the life of righteous behavior. And so it, it's, the, it's the highway uh, of humility and self-denial and dependence on the Father who is in, in heaven. And so we're to choose one of these gates, one of these paths for our lives. And so Jesus is, is really communicating to us here that uh, the narrow way is the way of the cross. The narrow way is the true way of Jesus. So when you think about this, it deals with salvation. And so everybody is confronted with a choice. Am I going to choose the way of Jesus, which is narrow? Not everybody's on that path, but it's going to lead to life. Or am I going to choose the way of the world? You see, Jesus tells us, doesn't he, that there's only one way. That's what he's saying here. That's why it's narrow. There's one way. There's not a lot of ways. And if you choose Jesus... For the salvation of your soul, then you're going to have life. But if you choose man's way, one of the other ways that somehow man says, hey, you can get to heaven this way, then it's going to lead to destruction. And so you need to understand that the way that he's talking about, the gate that he's talking about is Jesus in regards to salvation. But I don't think it ends just there. I think he wants his followers to realize that there's choices in regards to choosing the narrow way of living for God and, and, and following his word or the broad way that you can do whatever you want. And, and so when he talks about this, you know, you don't have to search for the broad way. You're on that broad way to destruction. But you need to make the choice to get off that road and on the right road to go through the right gate to go over the right bridge so that you'll have a relationship with Jesus Christ, not only in regards to salvation, but living life itself. So which gate do you choose? Well, the second thing that he talks about are, are two prophets, if you will, or teachers. He talks about prophets uh, when he was uh, here, but if we talked about it today, that we don't have prophets, not technically, but we have teachers. And so he talks about two teachers, the false teacher and uh, the true teacher. Now notice what he has to say about this. It's in verses 15 through 20. Beware. So this is the first time, though, that he uses this word, beware. He says we need to watch out for something. We need to keep our minds uh, focused on something. We need to be able to detect something. So beware. Watch out. And here's what he says. Beware of false prophets or false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And so on the outward appearance, they look pretty good. You know, they're dressed right. They, they know what to say. Uh, you know, they, they seem pretty good. They're successful even, he tells us in, in this account. So we, have to, we can't just take success as necessarily demonstrating a blessing from God. He says this, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? So every healthy tree bears fruit, but the, the, the sea, our diseased tree bears bad fruit, and a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a des, uh, deceased 
uh, diseased tree uh, bear uh, good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruit. And so he's telling us that we need to examine uh, the, 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 the fruit, the work of uh, teachers. And they will eventually, Jesus says, be cut down and thrown uh, into the fire. So here's the question for us in this account. Who do you listen to? See, who do you listen to? And do you have uh, awareness and discernment of, of being able to make the right choices of who you listen to? It always surprises me when, when you know, Christians come to me and a lot of them are not new Christians and they say, oh, pastor, this is the best book I read or I'm a follower of this person and I'm thinking, oh, how do I deal with this? Because this person is so far away sometimes from the truth of God's word. We need to be discerning of teachers, of false doctrine. And, and the true test, though, is this, that, that we need the word of God. We need to learn the word of God so that we can discern truth from error and what is right from what is wrong. You see, this is what we call today our Christian worldview. I've told you this numerous times, but a, Christian, a worldview is like a grid in our minds that everything passes through. Every experience, everything we hear, everything we're taught, it passes through that grid. And as it passes through that grid, we make decisions and we determine certain things. And so a Christian worldview is that we have the word of God as that grid to make decisions about everything we experience here upon this earth. And so we need to listen to the right people. We need to listen to the truth. Well, then he talks about two professions. Now, not professions in regards to what you do for a living. He's not talking about, you know, attorneys and doctors and pastors or whatever. He's talking about our profession of faith. And so he, he talks about two of them here in verses 21 through 23. Here's what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, day of judgment, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy, now notice, in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and do many mighty works in your name, and then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness or iniquity. And so he, he's talking here about individuals who are superficial in their, their faith. They haven't been really sincere in, in accepting what Jesus did for them on the cross of Calvary. They're, they're depending on other things and, and so forth. And so Jesus is focused on, on them in this account, and, and he's saying they're frauds. He's saying that there's no personal holiness. And even though they say that they're doing all of this in the name of Jesus, there's no fruit or evidence of true salvation. And so he, he's talking about how they, they know of Jesus anyway as Savior, but they really don't know him as Lord. I, I think what he is saying here is this, that we need to live the gospel, not just preach the gospel. 
And living the gospel means that we really know that gospel and we've accepted that gospel. We know Jesus. And so the, the focus here then is, is on these two professions. Now, one is an unregenerate person. One is a person who, who is a false professor of Christ. And uh, even though he's capable of performing sensational acts, he really doesn't know Jesus. And then he's talking about the regenerate person, the person who is a true professor of Christ, uh, the person who has truly put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, how do you know that? Here's the key. I want you to notice what he says in verse 21. But the one who does. Some translations says he that doeth the will of God. And so he's not saying you work your way to heaven, but he is saying this, that if you know Jesus... It ought to impact your life. If you know Jesus, it ought to change the way you act, your attitudes, your actions, your affections. And, and if not, then you need to step back and say, have I really accepted Jesus as my own personal Lord and Savior? Because maybe you messed up somehow. Maybe you put your faith and trust in something that wasn't necessarily truth from God's word. Because if you are truly a child of God, because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God indwells you, and he's in you to start to make a difference in your life. What does Paul tell us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? That any person who is in Christ is a new creation. In other words, things start to change. And we don't become perfect overnight, and, and, and you know, growth is different for each and every one of us, but the issue is this, is there any evidence that you truly have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so he's focused then on these two individuals, uh, one who is a, an unregenerate person with superficial faith and one who is sincerely a person who is regenerate and is doing the will of God and that there's Christ-like behavior uh, in their lives. Now, the last part here is the part that we, we all know. All right, this, this is the part we all know. And, and he gives us an analogy here that our lives are uh, like a building. And so beginning in verse 24, he says this. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So let's, let's stop here for a minute. That As Jesus is teaching, he's saying this. If you're wise, you listen to me and you obey me and you put these things into practice. That's the wise man. And what's that wise man like? Well, he's like a person who built his house on the rock. So he's talking about two, two foundations here, if you will, two platforms. And uh, the first one is the rock. And the rain fell, notice, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall. Why? Because uh, it was founded on the rock. So he talks then in, in this account about this wise man. He was wise in his choices. Uh, he uh, followed God, and so his, his life was like a building, and do you own a building? I, I was thinking about this today, uh, how Jesus gives us such a picture here in this analogy of how life is, is, is really like a building. If you own your own home, are you ever finished with maintenance issues and so on? 
There's always something, isn't there? Now, for some of us, that's really frustrating because we can't fix anything. Uh, but, but if you own a home, there's always something. I mean, every week, I have to mow the lawn. Now, it just so happens I know how to mow the lawn, and I like mowing the lawn. But I'm sure the day will come when, you know, I say to Elaine, let's move into some condo or something. I'm tired of cutting grass. But you see, that's like life. You might need a new roof. You might need, you know, to paint. You might need to get new appliances. And I think what Jesus is saying is this, that, that life itself, even spiritually, is, is like a building. But if you're going to make it, you need to build that building that life on the rock. And of course, the rock here is Jesus Christ. Now, he goes on. We'll come, we'll come back to that. But then he talks again about the next person. And uh, the next person, he says, is this, verse uh, 26. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does uh, not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell. But notice, he doesn't just say that. He, he, he really pushes it, and he says, and great was the fall of it. And so we find then the wise man, and we find this foolish man. Well, the foolish man builds uh, on the sand, the building, uh, building your life on man's views and opinions, and uh, your, your destiny then is that you're going to crumble and fall. Now, those of you who grew up in the church, um, especially as kids, probably remember a song about this that really, the kids knew this portion of scripture really well because the song was really theologically and biblically correct. And it, and it had all kinds of uh, movements. Some of you remember that. You know, the, and it said this, I, I'm not gonna sing it, okay? But I do know it. And what does it say? It tells us that the wise man, in fact, you used to, remember this? You had to build. The wise man built his house upon the rock. It said that phrase a, a number of times. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And then it said this, that the rains came down and the floods came up. And so you used to do this. The rains came down and the floods came up. And uh, so there was a storm. Now, here's the issue. I want you to get this. That there are two people building homes. Jesus doesn't say, nor does the song say, that one home really was wonderful and beautiful, and the other wasn't. He doesn't say that one home was worth more than the other. He doesn't say that one person built on property that was worth more than the other. And he doesn't tell us that one had a storm and the other didn't. Both had storms. And so the song then said, the rains came down, the floods came up, and the house on the rock stood, do you know what it said? Firm. And so what, what he's saying here is, is this, that when you build your life on the Lord Jesus Christ, then your life is safe and secure. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through storms. He doesn't say that. It doesn't say that you won't hit trials and tribulations and hard times. But when you build your house, your life, on Jesus Christ, when the storms come, you might not appreciate them or like them, 
but your life is going to stand firm and sure. Now, the song goes on, though, that there's a foolish man, and it says this, that the foolish man built his house upon the, what? Sand. And so after they sing that phrase a number of times, the song goes on and tells us that the rains came down, and the floods came up, rains came down, and the floods came up, and the house on the sand went what? Do you remember? Splat. I thought, wow. I, I had to look that up. I didn't remember what that word, what word was actually used in, in that song. But I thought, wow, that's a good, that's a good word. I, I should have incorporated that somehow in this message. Splat. And so what is he saying? Well, because there was no foundation, the result is that it fell. Sad, solemn words that Jesus uses here. And he, and he doesn't want you to think that it just fell. He, he wants you to realize that great was that fall. That person's life in essence was ruined. That's, that's the emphasis here. You are destined to crumble and to fall because you haven't made the right decisions to follow Jesus and to live for him. And so, how do we end today? Well, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the great hymn, and we're not going to sing that in closing either, but the great hymn that says this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. And here's what we got to get. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. If you're trying today to get to heaven and to build your life here on this earth outside of Jesus Christ, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to heaven, number one, and you're not going to have a life here on this earth that's going to be safe and secure. So we need discernment. Some of you need discernment and awareness just as it relates to salvation. That there's no other way you're going to make it to heaven apart from putting your faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross of Calvary for you. That he loves you and cares about you. And that he, he, he's there with wide open arms saying, all you need to do is follow that straight and narrow path and accept me because I'm the only one who can relate to you and get you to heaven. And so... Where do you stand on that today? And then there's some, I'm sure, that maybe you're saved. Maybe you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But, but you know, you need awareness and discernment that if you really want a life that's meaningful, safe and secure, you need to listen to the right teaching, the teaching of the Word of God. You need to go that, down that straight and narrow path. You, you need to build your life on the rock of, of Christ and his word, not on the views and opinions of people in this world. And so discernment leads to decisions, and decisions lead to determination, and determination will lead to your destiny. And so how are you today, how are you today building your life?
Will it stand the storms of life and death? It will if you build that life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, the words of Jesus here in this account. And uh, Lord, uh, you've, you've painted such a great picture for us today and how we're to watch out for dangers ahead in, in life. We're going to face the dangers regardless So the key issue is, do we have a discerning heart? Do we have a heart that's filled with awareness? Do we have a heart that's filled with your word and a desire to live for you and love you and serve you? And Lord, uh, as we look at these different passages in chapter 7, we realize that You're teaching us that we need discernment, and that discernment is the ability to decide between truth and error, what is right and what is wrong. And Lord, we realize that that we need wisdom from you. We we, We need that discernment so that we can make right choices. And Lord, uh, today we're confronted with two paths. One's wide, we don't even have to look for it, we can get on it real easy. And one's narrow. One is the world's way, one is your way. Lord, help us in regards to salvation and and living for you. I pray that we would choose the narrow gate, the straight way. And Lord, today we're faced with false teachers and true teachers. And I just pray that you'd help us, Lord Jesus, that we would listen to you and to your word and that we would be able to discern truth from error. And Lord, in a very solemn way, you've talked to us today about two professions. Unregenerate person who really is superficial and insincere and has really never put their faith and trust in Jesus and what he did on Calvary. And Lord, you've shown us what the regenerate person is like who's sincere and who will have a life that's filled with fruit, evidences of true salvation. And then, Lord, you've shown us, as we probably knew before, that there are two platforms, two gates, or two foundations. And Lord, our our life is like a building. Storms will come. Death will come. And we're either going to uh, be wise men, listen to you, and build our lives on the rock, and therefore be safe and secure for all eternity, or we're going to be like this foolish man that you talk about, Lord, who builds on the sand, builds his life on his own views and the views of of people around him instead of the truth of your word. And Lord, those individuals are just destined, how sad, to crumble and fall. And that even you say, Lord, they not only fall, but great is the fall. What a tragedy when people die without Christ. So Lord, I pray here today that if there are those who've never chosen you first 
as their Savior, if they've never really put their faith and trust in you for the salvation of their souls, God, I pray that today they might enter into that redemptive relationship with the eternal Son of God. They would find their sins forgiven and that they would be truly bound for heaven and that they could begin to build their lives on the rock, Jesus Christ. But then, Lord, I also think about people who are here today and maybe somewhere in their history they've accepted you as Lord and Savior. Maybe they were sincere, but they're not living for you now. There's no fruit in their lives. There's no evidences or very few evidences that they truly are born-again believers in Jesus Christ. And, And Lord, I just pray that you would work in their minds and hearts, that they would choose you and that they would realize that if they want a life that's meaningful and safe and secure and, and, and that they want to be blessed, that they would be individuals who would clearly put their faith and trust in you, not only for salvation, but for their lives. <clears throat> Lord, we, we think today of that children's song, a wise man built his house upon the rock. And I, I think, Lord, of how uh, that uh, song ended. How the, how the song focused on this, on the, on, oh, the blessings come down as the prayers go up. The blessings come down as the prayers go up. The blessings come down as the prayers go up. So build your house on the Lord Jesus Christ. God, may we make that choice even now. In Jesus' name, amen.